Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. For those of you who are listening to the show prior to Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving coming up to you. To those of you who may be listening, if you had nothing better to do on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a wonderful day. And if you're picking up later, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. This is Rick Barry on Warriors 24, along with my psychic, Savage Satchez, the surf man himself. That's exactly yes, right, folks. He's the surf. What's the biggest wave you're when I have to ask you that? I never did ask you that. Uh, 15 feet, probably. Um, 15 feet. Yeah, I, was, I spent a summer on Vancouver Island in Canada, and there was this huge swell that came in, and yeah, I'd say about 15, it was scary. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where you're dropping, and it's just a free fall. It's, it's no different than, than just literally jumping off a cliff and falling, um, except you're, you know, you're gliding down the face of a wave, and you hope right. you stick it. So, well, yeah. 15, 15 feet is, uh, you got a long way to go there, son. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah 15 feet is that's 15 feet more than i'm going to be on i can tell you that right now so so anyway congratulations on that let me know when you get to 30 Uh, (laughs) that's never happened never happening so anyway a lot of things going on and hey i tell you one of the things is amazing i told you the nba always expect the unexpected so on the same night what do you you have one of the premier centers in the league has a career game for him points wise right right the greek freak you know, Giannis goes for goes you call for him a 50 center? points. Did you call him a center? Well, he's he's well, he's he's a center, but he really doesn't play center. I mean, he plays yeah. center. He plays power forward. Sometimes he's a small forward. I mean, nowadays it's hard to define people at their position unless he's the point guard handling the ball all the time. True. And most of the guys that are seven feet tall all want to be out there playing two guard, playing shooting guard, shooting seven. You know, I mean, come on, look at <laughs> look at Carl Anthony Towns and what he's doing. His three-point I mean, shooting is yes, incredible. off the fr- it's incredible. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, mind-boggling actually to shoot that well for a guy his size from out there. But it's a different world that exists today in the way the game is being played. But uh-huh. okay, so let's so he goes for fifty, and then Embiid goes for the big, big donut. I mean, wow. I mean, what a game. I mean, he's got to have nightmares about that. I it's hard for me to believe that someone like him on the team that he's on could never score a point in the game. It is incredible. Really. First time I don't think career, I've yeah. ever, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't remember ever not scoring a point in the game. If that I played, especially if you're playing significant minutes. Well, and the, and cause he had some free throw attempts too. He missed those. He missed free throws. Yeah, yeah, he missed all of his field goals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was one of those nightmare, nightmare jobs, <laughs> nightmare jobs, but some of the things that happen, I mean, it's really interesting what goes on and you watch and you see the results. And as I tell you, you say, well, how did they lose to that team? Or how did that team beat that team? Mm-hmm. It all comes down to what I've talked about so many times over so many years, the mental state of the players and just being ready to play the game mentally it really doesn't come down all the time to the physical end of it. Certainly that could be a factor, but it's the mental approach to the game, to be, to be in the game mentally. And the same thing with Embiid. Well, if he's having trouble doing it, well, don't shoot any outside shots. Go down on the block. Get fouled even more. Get a dunk. I mean, go for an offensive rebound. Find a way to put something on the board to get yourself going. And when people are struggling, I remember 
years back, you'll probably remember this too. You were a lot younger at that time, but when John Starks, who was a great guy, I love yeah. John, who, who was self-destructed in the playoffs and Pat Riley, when he was at the Knicks, didn't take him out of the game. I mean, he, and he kept shooting from outside and he kept shooting. Pat should have taken him out of the game, just like Al Otto's took me out in the finals of the Western Conference in 1975. Sometimes you got to take your star player out of the game, give him a chance to, to regroup, get him a chance to get his head back on again and then put him back in the game. But wow, uh, things like that can happen, but you have to help yourself. You can't compound the problem that exists. It's kind of like with, you know, Einstein, the definition of insanity, doing the same mm -hmm. thing over and over again, expecting mm -hmm. a different result. I mean, so in this case, the chances are you could have a different result, probably more so than the theory of what Einstein was talking about in science and things, because you're kind of saying to yourself, well, come on, I can't keep missing all my shots. But the thing <laughs> is, is that, Take easier ones. Do something else. Try to help yourself out a little bit. So that's the kind of thing you have to look at. So Embiid will have nightmares about that. He'll never forget that game for the rest of his life, I can assure you of that, because I know that the things I remember as much of not probably more are the games when I didn't do the things that I needed to do. Um, you know, missing like seven free throws in the game where I could have had I think the second highest or one of the highest scores ever in a NBA finals game. And then I had bad, bad ankle that I was getting shot up to play all the time uh, before the game, but at halftime, which they would never allow anybody to do today. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think I missed, I'm pretty sure I missed seven free throws. I can't even imagine. I mean, I kind of try to block that out of my mind, but in the, in it, the, it happened. In the NBA finals. When I had 55, I had 55 in the game. 55 and that points. Same, that same, same game, game you missed yeah, seven yeah. free throws. I think it was seven. I could have broken Elgin Baylor's record of 61. I wasn't even thinking about it. I'd be honest with you. I didn't even know that record existed. I mean, there's so many times I pick up the USA Today or somebody sends me something that they, they find and they text me something and it shows something that I did. Hey, Rick, saw this, blah, blah, blah. And I go, really? I had no idea they did that because I didn't pay any attention to that stuff. I just played. But there's now they follow everything. The records they follow, they go back so far. And I, it's astonishing. Statistically, and the analytics that go on today are too much at, a lot of times. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it's to the point of, you know, you still got to go out and play the game. And analytics can only do so much for you. Right. But now they, they just look at things under a microscope. It's, it, it's really... I don't particularly like it. I mean, some of the stuff is interesting that they come up with, but a lot of it is overkill as far as I'm concerned. So, and so what is and unnecessary. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not necessary. I mean, yeah. it's just something to write about and do something a little bit different, but you know, you get to the point where enough is enough. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I mean, even kissing a beautiful woman at times after a while, I mean, enough <laughs> is enough. I mean, <laughs> I mean, your lips get raw. I mean, it's your jaw gets oh, tired. I mean, <laughs> I wish I had your experiences in life, Rick, where something well, like just, that could get old. It's just, well, it's, it's just one of those things. Like they say, the old cliche, right? Too much of anything a lot of times yes. is not good. Yes. Right? I love, I love, well, no, there's a few things I'd like, I'd like to be able to have to try out and see if it really is true. Like, if you want to give me enough money to go ahead and see if I can get to the point where I think it's too much, that would be kind of fun. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm being facetious now. <laughs> All right. So, so well, what, what's on your mind now, well, I wanna, Cyrus? Well, Rick, you know, just a moment ago, you were talking about coaches. You know, I, I feel like there's two types of coaches in terms of d dictating tempo of play and momentum. Like Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr, I feel like subscribe to the, to the belief that, you know, if, you're play, if your team is struggling, instead of calling a timeout to regroup, you just let them play it out, right? You let them play through the struggles and they regroup on their own on the court. Um, and then you have coaches who are quick to call a timeout. They're very quick to, uh, you know, to, to 
put their hands together and call that tee for, for a timeout. Um, Steve Kerr the other night, so the Warriors had this heartbreaking game at home where they lost to the Oklahoma City. They lost a 10-point lead with four minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, they led that entire game for the most part, and, and they lost at the very end. And, and one of the key plays at the end of that game with the Warriors down three is he let his young players play out the game instead of calling a timeout, and the result was a turnover and a fumble play. Do you what what do you think the Warriors should have done at the, at the end of that game? Like was was the lack of timeout the appropriate way to go or should you have called the timeout and regrouped? Well, if it worked for him, they would have said he did the right thing. It didn't work, so now everybody's mm-hmm. second guessing him. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is and that's what you have to live with as a coach, but you kind of go with your gut feeling how things things are progressing, but I would say the way that you explain the situation and considering the team that he has I, I would think that a timeout might have been a better situation to try to help these guys out. To and Steve does a great job of communicating to them and try to put into a play in a play that they've worked on that they have confidence. So everybody knew what everybody's going to be doing. And I mean, and as it turned out, they they rushed it up and didn't get a good shot. If I'm not mistaken, I think Poole got a shot blocked. Um, but it, it's yeah, you just have to. You have to try to do the right thing to give yourself the best chance to be able to win. And a situation like that with inexperienced players in a game that has not been the type of game that they've had very many of this season, to say the least. Right. Where right. <laughs> yeah. they're usually playing from 20 down like they, they had to do against the Jazz and came back and made it an interesting game, but uh, didn't didn't work out for them. And that might have been the one the pool got a shot block. But yeah, I think that's I think it's important to try to take the guys by the hand and try to lead them down the, the, uh, the primrose path a little bit and, and help them out some. You learn through experience, so why not at least give them a chance to experience something that will give you a better opportunity for success than just hoping that these young players would do the right thing. Right. Um, you know, last week we didn't do the 24-second shot clock. Do you mind if I drop that on you earlier this week? Uh, uh, you know, Oh boy, I was going to say something that I, well, yeah, I could ahead. probably no, say. Go. No, 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 no. It's, it's not. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I'm not going to really use it. It's not. Okay. It's not. A, it's not appropriate. It, it has something to do with what I tried to say that I explained to my wife. But you can figure that out. So go <laughs> ahead. Um, yeah, 24 second shot clock. We we like that. It's just because it's a good number. You know, yeah. It's a great number. It's a, yeah, it's so let, let me see how I can handle this stuff because I like this extemporaneous stuff myself, actually, <laughs> instead of trying to have a prepared thing that I have written down that I could do. And oh, and that reminds well, I won't get into it because that'll be my drives me crazy. So go okay. ahead. All right, ready? So here's, here's a question for you. And as soon as I'm done asking the question, you'll have 24 seconds to answer this. Uh, which Warriors player disappoints you the most right now and why? Uh, pool. Without question. I mean, he's the number one draft pick and he keeps taking horrendous shots. And I'm surprised it's that Steve is allowing him to take shots, shooting like 20% from threes, whatever. As although he did go two for five in the last game, but he was two for 13 overall, I think. And um, yeah, he's taken, not only is he he's taking a lot of three pointers, he's taking bad three pointers, mm-hmm. you know, five, six feet behind the, behind the line. And, and he's struggling even with his two point shots. So he's got to make an adjustment. Go to the basket more and stop taking the bad shots. There you go. And I would agree with you. I think Jordan Poole is easily um, the, the biggest disappointment right now, early on. I mean, they brought him in primarily to shoot. And he's not oh, he's shooting. Oh, he's, he's just yeah, not he's, making them. <laughs> he's not making them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To shoot and make those shots. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, there is my ticker. Uh, well, I was done before 24 seconds. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I can, in 24 seconds, I could say a lot. 
<laughs> it may not it may not mean anything to anybody but i can say a lot yeah and i would and you know if, if uh the, the other player you're right jordan Poole is like the obvious choice but jacob evans is another player that's really disappointing me right now in the sense that i mean this is a first round draft pick this is a third year now third year and he's done nothing he hasn't done anything i mean they brought him in for shooting and for for wing for perimeter defense and He's not even playing. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's kind of bumming me Trust me, when we start talking about this, it hits near and dear to my heart when you start talking about this because you can go on every NBA team mm-hmm. and start picking out a whole fistful of guys on every NBA team, a, a minimum, of, minimum of two and three, four, and maybe even five guys out of their 17 that they have with the two-way guys that – really aren't doing very much that they didn't make great choices on. And there's a whole bunch of players who are now in the G league who are probably better than these guys. <laughs> quite possibly. Not, yeah. no, not quite possibly. Trust me on this Cyrus. This is not quite possibly. This is a definitive fact. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with you. I mean, I, I there's, there's, I, well, you could disagree with me, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> and I have no evidence to back it up whatsoever. So, no, because um, I watch all. Well, obviously I watch because my son was there. Oh, unfortunately, he's heard had a weird injury, fibula. I mean, how do who gets their fibula broken in basketball? It's a non weight bearing thing. It was such a weird thing. But the only good thing about it is, is I'm getting to spend time with him here at Thanksgiving, which I nice. would have had the opportunity to do. So, we'll see. Uh, see what happens. Rick, what are you? What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Well, I'm I'm just so very fortunate to have had the life that I have. I thank God every night for so many things, uh, for friends and people who have gotten rid of cancer, for having mm-hmm. an incredible wife, uh, great family with with health. Uh, yes, to have the opportunities that I've been given. So I, I I thank God every single night, and I I I pray also for some of the people who have cancer to get rid of that cancer, and to thank Him for the things that He's given to my family to. My friends, I, I pray for all of that stuff. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm just really grateful. I, I've had an amazing life. I mean, even though some crazy things have happened to me, everybody should ha- should be fortunate enough to have had the life that, that I've had. So I, I, I appreciate Thanksgiving to me is every day. I'm thankful every day I get up that I'm healthy. Excellent. So blessed. I just had my physical with my brother-in-law and he said, you're good to go. I told my wife she's in trouble because I'm around for at least another year, maybe. So, yeah, I'm very blessed. And I just wish all of that on other people and hope that they have all of the things that are not going well for them to get turned around and to bring some joy into their life as well. Excellent. That's a good list. Yeah, I would agree with you. Cancer is a wretched disease. I I lost my aunt and my ex-fiance to it. It's, it's, uh, I do hope at some point they figure this out in terms of finding a cure. It's, it's insane how, how as advanced as we are technologically, all we have for it is radiation. That's, it's pretty wild. Well, yeah, the chemo, but now they have, they have high proton th- uh, therapy. They have high ion, ion therapy, which is something I'm working very hard on with hmm. Dr. Stephen Frank from MD Anders. I'm trying to do something, helping talk to some very wealthy people to raise some money to get some of these machines over here. There's only three in the world, none in the United States. They're having amazing results with it. And I'm really big into trying to find this, this cure for cancer, that this horribly dreaded disease that I it doubt is. if there's anybody who goes through their life that isn't impacted in some way or another, whether it's immediate family themselves or a friend that has had to deal with this horrendous thing. My one niece has a double brain tumor and I'm working on a lot of health issues. My good friend, 
Brad Cole. We have this things called Vijuvia Life Centers. We're doing some amazing things health-wise. And then I found out about something else that's going on now that they've been having some great results for brain tumors, for breast cancer, other things. So uh, they're working on it. And, and hopefully before I pass away, which hopefully won't be for quite a few years because I'm I have to be 100 years old at least and go fly fishing in Alaska, be healthy enough to do that, that they'll, <laughs> nice. they'll, have, they'll have a cure and then I'll be around a lot longer and, you know, and I'll, you know, be ticking off a whole bunch of other people because I tell the truth. And like we say, we have a guy that says something all the time when I mention about that, that you have, that you could put up right now, folks, that I love my man, Jack. That's the greatest one, the greatest lines ever that we use. And that's, uh, you know, NBT Square. You can't handle the, show. the truth. There we go. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate it, baby. Uh, and, and most people can't. I, mean, I have so much fun with that. I really do. And and people just have a difficult time dealing with the truth. And the truth of the matter is, and I know this from factual stuff and having talked to people who have been involved in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and it's sad when you think about it that a lot of diseases could be cured. If it weren't for the egos of the people running the companies and if it weren't for the fact that they're not going to make as much money if they find the cure as opposed to having you take their medicine for the rest of your life. Sad. Very sad. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, handle that, folks, in the pharmaceutical world. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, what's your favorite, um, what in the typical, in the Barry household for Thanksgiving, what are the, what are the meals? What are you eating? What are your favorites? Well, boy, I tell you, when I was growing up, my aunt Brona and my mom, we would switch Thanksgivings between the, each of the houses. They had enough food to feed an army. I mean, it was ridiculous, the food mm. that they had, fresh ham, fresh kielbasa, regular mm. Polish kielbasa, because my, my mother and, and, and aunt Brona, they were Lithuanian, uh, you know, sauerkraut, uh, potatoes, multiple vegetables. I mean, it's, it, it was just, it's crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. And then you'd have that meal, you get done, and then we'd play penny ante poker. I remember when I got old enough to do that. And play so no penny ante poker. So no turkey? Oh, no turkey. Well, of course, turkey. Okay, I mean, okay, that right. goes without saying. You got to okay. have turkey. I mean, uh, that's, that's number one on the list, obviously. Gotcha, okay. You know, cranberry sauce and all the other handmade. And then all of the homemade special, you know, pierogies and all these other mm. fresh kinds of of desserts and pies. And it, I, I said, who else is coming? I mean, this is, this is too much food. And then uh, you get down and you play penny ante, and then you sit down and you eat again later. Cause we usually eat like one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, that you, know, you have amazing. the football, you have the football games on, you do, it was mm -hmm. crazy. And now generally it's with my wife's family. My parents are, have passed away. And so I generally go to either my, <clears throat> we have either her parents come over if it's at our place. And then, like now I'm at my, my brother-in-law, Eric's, uh, Eric's place. Who's a, who's a doctor up in Ponte Vedra beach. And so we're here and then she's got another doctor who's a brother and we go to that place. So we kind of switch it around and go to different places because it's actually my father-in-law's most favorite holiday. And he, he just gets incredibly emotional at Thanksgiving and, hmm. and it is a wonderful holiday, but it is a time for being around your family and giving thanks for, you know, everything that you've had and the blessings that you've had. And, you know, as they say, I ask everybody out there now, if you do say prayers or stuff, please pray for my niece who's, uh, who's battling uh, brain tumor cancer. Hmm, that's terrible, Rick. I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. I hope she's going to be okay. Um, and that all, and all you did was make me hungry talking about all that food. Uh, let's, let's, if you don't mind, let's revert back to sports real quick here. Um, one thing I'm thankful for is that the Warriors apparently seem to have a competent, 
management brass. I hope that's the case. Uh, and, and one reason why I say that is because I'm looking at this, this list of the, the former players from just a year ago that the Warriors moved on from and what they're doing now. Do you want to go through this list real quick, Rick? Uh, yeah, I know that this is something that's near and dear to your heart because you're such a diehard Warriors fan. So <laughs> go yeah. ahead and, and, and roll. Well, so. you know, I, it's, it's one of the things as a, as a Warriors fan that you love to monitor is, is all the personnel changes and whether or not they're good or bad for the team. I wasn't sure if letting go of Quinn Cook was the right move. Um, he went to the Lakers, and he's not doing that much there. Um, he's averaging 14 minutes per game, averaging five-plus points per game and only 1.8 assists. So not much there. Uh, no, and, and his shooting percentages are nothing to write home about. I mean, 32% is okay. There's nothing to write home about. 41 is not good from twos. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so, and, and, and so this was a move that you could say, hey, I can understand why they did it because he really didn't come through in the playoffs like they could have, like he, they, they would have hoped he could have done they for them. They wanted him to, yes. Yeah, but he, exactly. he just a lot of big shots. Um, Alfonso right. McKinney, I, I, I personally, at the beginning of the season, was not a big fan of the team basically letting him go so they can bring in Marquise Christ. Um, I thought McKinney played a huge, important role for the team last year coming off the bench. He's a, he's a big body for a wing. Um, and he, he was tra- I don't know if he was traded or let – I think he was waived. And the, the Cleveland Cavaliers picked him up. And right now he's averaging three points per game and 2.1 rebounds per game. He is shooting 50% from three and 41% from the field. What do you think about McKinney? Well, his three-point field goal percentage is outstanding, obviously, but he didn't do that on a consistent basis. And you know, yeah. how many shots did he take? If he's only playing ten minutes a game, he may not be he may not be getting much of an opportunity to do things. And and so, um, yeah, I, I was never uh, a huge uh, fan of his to think that he was going to be something special. Okay. So it didn't surprise me that they let him go. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, he was playing some. He was playing some some heavy minutes. No, he played some nice minutes, and he got listen. He got an he got incredible opportunity to be a part of a championship team. He's very fortunate to have done that. Uh, But again, they didn't see a bright star at the end of this, and that's why they let him go. And uh, obviously, at to this point, he's not done anything to say that the Warriors made a bad move there. Yeah, Jordan Bell was an interesting uh, name. He he was uh, he was actually bought out from the Chicago Bulls, a former second round pick. He had his moments defensively, even had some moments offensively. Um, they basically let him go after the season, um, and I believe he's playing for uh, the Timberwolves right now. He's putting up three point seven rebounds per game, four points per game, and eight minutes played. Um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on Jordan Bell? I mean, he played some important minutes for that championship team two years ago. Didn't do much last year. I think he was suspended for a game for that weird prank he played on Mike Brown. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts there? Well, it's, it, he falls into the same category as the other guys. I mean, he was given the opportunity to do it, did some nice things, but didn't do anything special to warrant them wanting to keep him around, figuring right. they could get somebody who can do that much or more. And, uh, and, and Damian Jones is another weird one. He was actually a first-round pick. He was the starting center when the season started a year ago. Uh, but he's had injuries uh, derail most of his career. I guess it is hard. When you're a team like the Warriors who has to draft late in the first round year after year, you're not always going to score, right? And so, they're, so they're, I guess that's a huge reason why their draft picks are in the scrutiny because Damian Jones is a first-round pick. Um, they traded him last year. And they also I think they acquired Amar- Amari Spellman in that trade. Um, yeah, Damian Jones, was that a bust in terms of Bob Myers and his picks for the draft or are you, or does it, what are your thoughts there? 
Well, I think the fact that they let him go <laughs> was a pretty good indication that, I, and I respect that. Yeah. Because they admitted that they didn't make a choice that was going to work for them and they were going to make a change. I, I can't stand it. Well, see, that's another one I could put somebody that can't stand it. I was, you, think, <laughs> you know, it drives me crazy. Yeah. They, yeah. I, I respect the fact that they looked at the, at the player. They, analyzed what was going on with him. They evaluated him and they made a choice saying, you know what? This guy is not who we thought he was and let's make a change. And that's what all teams should be doing. Even if you have to pay part of the contract to do it, to keep a guy on your team that doesn't fit in with what you're trying to accomplish. And you realize he's not going to be what you thought he was going to be. Why keep him on your roster? Seriously, because there are guys out there who can play better, who would be better for your team to help you achieve even greater success. You have to be willing in life to admit you made a mistake and to try to rectify the situation. Right. And the other, and the other players uh, that they let go that did not come back. Marcus Derrickson, I don't even remember him playing last year. Um, Jonas Jarebko, who actually yeah, but Marcus Der- you know, yeah, but see what he's doing. I think he's a he's a, he's in the G League right now, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, well, he's playing for the College Park Skyhawks, I think, in yes, the G League. Correct. So uh, he's got to prove that he can come out and do something else other than other than uh, you know scoring and doing stuff because he's got he's got you know decent numbers playing there. I mean, 15 points a game on 45 and 33. Yeah, uh, six rebounds a game, which is which is nice. I don't see him doing much in the assist area, but those are nice numbers. But again, he's he's a G League player and. <laughs> He's at least, but here's the thing: he is getting a chance to play, to get some experience, to get he some is. confidence, and perhaps come out and do something. But how's Canyon doing? How, how's Canyon's G League experience? Have you talked to him about that? No, it's it's mine's yeah no my, no okay. he doesn't get a chance he doesn't get a, when he gets a chance to play uh-huh. he does fine but he hardly has ever been put in his natural position which is a two guard who can handle it and pass it and bring it up the floor and do those things. You know, and last year he did fine under the circumstances, but they had two-way guys who were two guards, and the coach told me, I have to play these other guys. But he put them on the floor. He gave them some minutes, and with no plays run for him and playing out of position, he still averaged 10 points a game on only seven shots and shot over 40% from threes and high 40s and twos and 85 to 90 from the free throw line. So, yeah, I mean, he can do it if given the opportunity, but that's just not the way it is because my son is not that type of a player who's going to go out there and try to dominate the ball and not play the game the way it should be played. In fact, he made a comment to me that I thought was kind of sad is that uh, I, he says, I don't think that they appreciate the way that I play the game, which hmm. is the right way, actually. <laughs> I mean, play it unselfishly, do the things that you need to do, but he's not the squeaky wheel. And so the squeaky wheel a lot of times gets the grease, but he adapts really well and does a great job with it. And, you know, who knows? I mean, everything in life happens for a reason. So maybe it's a situation that he doesn't get his chance to do something this year. But if he doesn't go up and get a chance to do something, then he's going to have a chance, perhaps, perhaps if everything falls into place, to have a chance to be on the USA basketball team to represent the U.S. in the Olympics in three-on-three. He already was on the world championship team, which amazingly to me, the team that won that didn't get didn't get into the Olympics. They didn't qualify for the Olympics by winning the World Cup. I mean, how is that? How do you not win the World Cup prior to the Olympic year and you don't qualify for the Olympics, that you still only get to qualify for the qualifying tournament? 
How does that right. work? That's crazy. It's just, <laughs> but that's FIBA doing stuff. I mean, okay, it's just, right. it's, it's, it's really kind of nutty. But anyway, he's it's making n- the most of it, and hopefully, he'll get himself back and playing because it's not a injury that's not going to heal. I mean, he broke a weird bone in the back of his leg that you never even hear of a fibula. So, hmm. whatever it may be, but he's got one of the greatest attitudes ever, and could have gone overseas to do it, but just wanted to stay here, like being around here, and and. Uh, is the kind of player that, that I think coaches would really enjoy. I mean, I know Chris Mullins saw him play in a three-on-three tournament this summer and texted me and said, Rick, man, I didn't have an idea your son was that good a player. Man, he does all the things you want a player to do. I said, well, yeah, well, help him get in the NBA, will you? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, first, I mean, Draymond Green said this. We just talked about this, I think, la- during last episode about the level of incompetency in management and in coaching that oftentimes results in a lot of turnover in that position and You've talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of this is because of nepotism, because of the good old boys network where people oftentimes hire others that they are comfortable with instead of hiring the person that's most qualified to do the job. And this is oftentimes a result of that. You have people in charge who should not be in charge. And in the case like your son, Canyon, who has the fundamentals to play and has the measurables and has proven they could play. You have people in charge who just don't know what to do with that or just simply not doing the right thing. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, who knows what people are thinking you do, but that's, it's just not that way. It's that way in everything. It's not what it you is. know, it's who you know in yes. life. And a lot of people get the opportunity to do things that they're not as qualified for as someone else. And you just have to be fortunate and fortunate. My son deals with it well. And if it's meant to be, it will be, and he'll get the opportunity. If he doesn't, it's going to be very sad because I hate to see talent wasted. And I've watched this over the years, even when I coached in the minor leagues. I had a bunch of guys that played for me that I tried like hell to get them into the NBA. And the guys I tried to do it, eventually they did get there. I mean, because I know that they were better than some of the guys on some of the other teams. And they made it there and they played and had a chance to experience that level. I'm not saying these were guys that were going to be star, superstar players or all-star players. But these were guys that were better than some of the people they had in the rosters. But the problem is they're paying these guys this money. They don't want to eat the contract. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, the contracts are so big. I mean, it just it's not like you got to pay that much more to get a guy at a minimum contract. I mean, instead of paying somebody six million dollars, I mean, if you have to give get it, give them away. I mean, pay four million of it. You say you just save two million. Well, that two million you can pick up a guy for the minimum contract, like some of the people we're talking about, uh, and you still come out ahead of the game because you're not spending that six million dollars that you committed to for a guy that can't play. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. Uh, you know, we were talking just a moment ago about all these uh, the the Warriors' former players, and, and I think we went through that list. And it's safe to say that we I don't think the Warriors miss any of them. Um, but th- this off season, this previous off season, had a very unusually high turnover in terms of players changing teams. Um, do you want to go through some of those stars and and see the early returns, and you could tell me whether or not you approve or disapprove yeah we could do that i'll throw one more guy into the other equation you talked about uh mcgee javel mcgee Uh, well that was two years ago right he i know but i'm not saying from last i'm just saying you could start looking at people i mean they let him go and doing stuff and he's doing a nice job from that i really did like him i thought he brought an energy and he brought something to the table for them but again they made the decision that that wasn't going to work for them uh unfortunately but you know rick and my you know i that the, the JaVale McGee thing drives me insane. I, for, I thought two years ago that they so underutilized him. I, I really feel like if JaVale McGee was playing heavy minutes in the postseason, especially in that Rocket Series, and I'm going to touch on that in a second in terms of what drives you crazy. In that 2018 Rocket Series where the Warriors came back and where they were down 3-2 in that series and won, JaVale McGee barely played. And every time he did play, 
You know, the plus minus is a stat that people like to throw out that it's flawed in terms of accuracy, but the plus minus when JaVale McGee was playing was astronomical. The Warriors were succeeding every time he was on the floor. And they, I, don't, I don't know why Steve Kerr just did not want to utilize him. I think I, from his logic, the way he explained it is that McGee was a liability in terms of perimeter defense. But I, I still think the points he gave you, those easy lobs, more than made up for that. And I don't understand why McGee was let go. And I don't understand why he did not play more minutes. I, I thought he was an incredible contributor for that championship team. Yeah, well, there's always factors that come into it. It's sometimes that the the coach doesn't particularly maybe like an attitude or whatever yeah. it may be. And uh, but then again, every once in a while, you got to have somebody that can be in there that can protect the rim. Yeah, people think twice about going to the basket. I mean, if you don't have someone in there that you're concerned about as far as when you drive in to be a defender against you. Why am I going to even take a mid-range shot? I'm going to the basket all day. Exactly. All day. Because I know I'm going to have a chance to get some three-point shots occasionally. I'll get some three-point shots. And then if I don't, if I don't, I mean, where I get fouled and make the free throws and get the, and, and make the basket or make the free throw. But the thing is, is that if I'm not, I'm still going to get a chance to get two points as opposed to taking an outside shot, which I'm not going to shoot as higher percentage. No matter how good I'm shooting that day, I'm not going to shoot 90% from out there. You know, I'm going to shoot 90% from the free throw line. Right. So the chances of me getting two points when I drive and get fouled is a far greater than me taking an outside jump shot without question. And if I don't have somebody to worry about, that's going to block the shot. Yes. Why would I not go every time? Exactly. And size gives you easy baskets. Those are high percentage points. The Warriors, I feel like, let's say, let's say the Warriors were healthy this year. Let's say everyone came back. I still think what they're sorely lacking is someone to give them those easy points. Durant gave them that because he's seven feet tall and can shoot incredibly. Uh, in 2015, David Lee, I know he came off the bench, but he was a, a huge contributor and a catalyst for turning that 2-1 deficit in the NBA Finals around because they started feeding him that ball and they, he was giving them easy baskets. In that 73-1 team, they didn't have that. I do feel like that was sorely lacking, especially in Game 7. They never, never really had that one guy with size who can give you those easy baskets. Guys like JaVale McGee do that for you. In addition to the defense, they give you easy points. Um, yeah, I, especially I, the way when the Warriors are playing their brand of basketball, which yes. is pass, cut, move, you know, roll of the basket. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, when they, that's when they're at their best, and they did a lot of that stuff when he was there. But he's, he's doing a nice job, and he's a, he's, a good, he's a factor for the Lakers who are proven to be one of the, you know, obviously one of the premier teams that a lot of people feel will, if they stay healthy, will have a chance to go to the finals again. They, great chance. You know, and, and, and the one team I feel like that's in their way is the other L.A. team, the right. Clippers, who have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing together now. Those are two of the huge uh, turnovers in terms of players changing teams last year. I feel like this is a week-by-week -week question. This week, who's better, Lakers or Clippers? Well, I think they're both right up there. I mean, yeah. since they've played for together, George and, <clears throat> and Kawhi, they've, they're, what, four and zero, I think, uh, and they've played really well together. But the thing is, is that team is playing really good defense, and they really focused in. And this is the thing that Dokic Do Do has to learn. They're going to come after you, and they're going to make adjustments, and teams that are better basketball teams are going to make it more difficult for you. So not only did he not get 30 points in this game, not only did he not get double digits in assists, he also turned the ball over a – 
great deal of uh, too far too many times in that game against the Mavericks. And then Porzingis showed that, you know, he is not as consistent as he needs to be. He didn't have a particularly good game shooting as well. It's only one game, but it's still right. a situation where you're going up against a better defensive team and you have to be able to make adjustments and play well against those better teams. And so that's the one thing I think they have an edge over the Lakers is I think team defensive wise, they're a better team, better team defenders right now than I think than the Lakers are. But when you talk about two players, you know, Davis and and LeBron, and you talk about Kawhi, you know, Mm. (laughs) Kawhi and George, those are two formidable duos. uh, No question about it. And it's, and the people in LA are just going to have a ball, you know, with these guys having to battle this out and see where that winds up. And I think that, uh, you know, I was surprised to see, interesting enough, that Dallas coming off, maybe they thought they were better than they were coming off that big win against the Rockets mm-hmm. and really handling, manhandling the Rockets. And then they go up and play against the Clippers. And I think maybe they got to thinking they were a little bit better than what they really are. <laughs> they're still playing way. They're definitely exceeding ex- expectations, though, from, from when the season started. And Yeah, well, well, look at the same thing with Miami. Yes. Yeah, so what happened to, to Miami? Look what happened to Miami. We're going to get yeah. to them in just a second. In fact, we can go to them next. We're talking about players who changed teams in their early report card on yeah. that. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler, right? Huge positive. Uh, Kemba Walker, huge right. positive. Both right? both of those teams doing exceptionally well with those two players added to the added to the roster. Agreed. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I feel like it's too early, right? I don't think he's played much this year. Um, we haven't seen uh, Victor Oladipo come back yet. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, he's a great player. I'm sure the Bucks miss him. Um, would you say that's positive too? I mean, yeah, they- yeah. I mean, he, you know, the thing is, is he's he's gone to a team that's not going to have a chance to win a championship. Yeah. To, you know, so that's not the most fun thing in the world to have happen to you. But, yeah. but, uh, but I, I still like, I still really like what 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 Jimmy's brought to the table. Uh, Miami is much better basketball team. And again, I think that they got to thinking that maybe they were better than they were when they went up and got their butts kicked by, by Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, but then again, you know, then Philly goes out and, and lays an egg. I mean, so that's the thing I told you always expect the unexpected in the NBA. You just mm-hmm. never know what's going to happen. These are human beings. These are not robots. These are not people that are programmed and that perform at the same level. They're not like the, you know, in golf, they, they have, the the golf hitting machine, right? Lord Byron, whatever. The, I mean, they, who hits the ball every single time perfectly because he's a program machine. These are not program machines. These are human beings who are going to have good games and bad games. The key to it is to not to have too many bad games. And again, to play at a relatively high level of efficiency. And sometimes you'll even exceed that and play super high, but you don't have a lot of super lows. Yeah, and that's Kawhi, the difference. Kawhi Leonard is the exception to what you just said. That man is a machine. Um, he's a cyborg. What about yeah, but you know, even yeah, even he's <laughs> going to have his games. It happens to yeah, everybody. Yeah, no, come on, it. look at hey, we just talked. I mean, Embiid. I mean, come on. What would you have taken a bet? Somebody said, "I bet you the no. Joe Embiid plays and gets zero points in no. the game this season." Would you have taken not. that bet? Of course not. You've, have you ever been shut out? Have you ever? Did you ever ever donate? No. Of no course, other yeah, than if I got hurt early in the game or something. But if I played any minutes at all, yeah. I mean, my thing was is that rarely did I ever get you know have anything where I had single digits. Yeah, I. Where I didn't it, get at least ten or more. I think Philly needs to make some sort of change. If they want to be a championship contender, they're missing something. I don't know if it's a Chris Paul. I don't know what it is, but uh, they're missing something. Is it it too early right now to say that Kyrie Irving 
uh, or I'm sorry, is it too early to judge his impact uh, in terms of going to Brooklyn? He was having numbers wise. He's having a phenomenal year. He's hurt right now. Uh, he was averaging 20.5 points per game over seven assists over five rebounds. That's very surprising. Um, but the Nets, I mean, look, they, they largely had the same team from a year ago. You swap basically D'Angelo Russell for Kyrie Irving, and now they're not doing so great. So I know you, I know you like him personally. Um, Kyrie Irving, is that, was that a good or bad move so far? Is it too early to say? It's too early to say, okay. and it takes a while for people to blend together. They don't have the team they expect to have, obviously. They're all waiting for next year with bated breath to see what's <laughs> going to happen with, with KD yeah. and see how well they're going to join. But then it's the same situation that they're going through now. It's still another adjustment that has to be made by the entire team to bring someone of the stature of KD into the equation and see how well they blend together. Right. Russell Westbrook, I think that was a solid pickup. Rockets doing good. Yeah, yeah, they're doing they're doing well, and those guys yeah. actually have probably played better together than I thought they were going to play together. Yeah, um, I mean, so we'll we'll have to see. But again, I just don't know if that team's found the answer. They just seem to they just seem to not get it done when they really need to get it done. For the most part, are you referring to the Mavericks game because they, they were well? Yeah, that's a perfect like example. It. I mean, of what what happens to them at times, and looks what happened to them in the last few years in the playoffs. And especially the guy that has to do something, it's kind of like, I mean, Harden. I mean, he, he just played horribly. I mean, shot the ball terribly. He, he, you're supposed to elevate your game. If you are really are a great player, and he is a great player, but is he a great playoff player? Mm. I mean, great players not only play well in the regular season. In fact, in most cases, they play as well, if not better, in the playoffs, which is what you want from your great players. Right. And he has yet to show that he can do this. Certainly the last two seasons are great indications, few seasons, that that's not something that he's shown he's capable of doing yet. And for them to have a chance to win a title, he has to do that because he's such an important element of their offense and, and controls things so much. He has got to play at a higher level. I agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, Brandon Ingram's having a phenomenal year. He got he got traded to the Pelicans uh, as part of the Anthony Davis deal. He's eighth in the league in scoring. He's I mean he's looking very Kevin Durant esque out there with that length. What are your thoughts on Brandon Ingram? Well, it's a perfect example of someone being on a team where he wasn't being utilized to the way to the to the to the way that he was supposed to be utilized or, okay. or was capable of playing. I mean, that's that's what happens. Sometimes you get on a team. I mean, he was on a team with one of the greatest players ever, and he was the focal point of the team. And now he's getting a chance to do the things he's capable of doing when he wasn't given that opportunity before. He's taken full advantage of it and playing at a high level and showing what he's capable of doing. There's a lot of players like that that that, will, that can happen to. Again, you got into it earlier in the show when you talked about the fact that players go someplace and a coach has his way of getting the game and playing the game, and the player doesn't fit into that. And he winds up getting lost. And this is a perfect example. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, too early to say? I mean, he's putting up great numbers with the Warriors. We don't know if he's going to be a permanent fixer on this team. I read a report. He, he picked the Warriors because of the weather in California. <laughs> I, got great, news, kid. Great. I got news for you, kid. He might not like the weather in Minnesota. Uh, what about Al Horford? <laughs> What about Al Horford? He's averaging typical Al Horford numbers, despite the fact he's 34 years old now. He's putting up 14.7 rebounds a game. Uh, but Philly, uh, I don't know. What do you think? What, what do you think about Philly? What's going on there? Is are they a championship contender right now? 
I, I think they're too inconsistent again. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, I mean, what last week or what is it, was was it that uh, Sim, uh, Simmons actually made a three pointer? How about that? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they they just they're they're certainly still another a player or so away. I mean, I I don't know another really good consistent outside guy who can shoot it, but also do more than just be a shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm no, I mean you, you gotta have you gotta have a guy who also can help create and be more than a one-dimensional player in that position. You, you really want a two-guard because that's what that's what Clay was when he first came in, one-dimensional, very shooter. much, yeah, very much so. But yeah. he turned himself into a into an outstanding all-around offensive player from a shooter into a scoring shooter, which is a major difference because you can't defend that kind of a player. You can, you, as I told people, we've talked about this many times. You can lock down, you can lock down a shooter, but you can't lock down a scorer. And Clay has become a scorer and probably the most efficient player in the history of basketball for the amount of points scored for the amount of time the ball was in his hands. It is crazy. I, I can't, I really, that's one of those stats I just cannot get enough of 60 points in three quarters, I think in less than 30 minutes. 60. Yeah, but how many times he had the ball in his hand? Yes, head? 29. I think he touched it I mean, 29 yeah, times. Yeah, and, and in those times, there was maybe – sometimes he only had the ball for a second or two. It's crazy. Because <laughs> he gets rid of his shot so quickly. People talk about Steph being a quick shooter. I mean, Clay maybe is a quick if not quicker than Steph. Yeah. So, I mean, he is – you talk about offensive efficiency and when get the ball and the way you can score points. I don't know if there's been anybody that's been that efficient. Yeah, it's 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 it, uh, Clay Thompson is an incredible. I miss not player. seeing him play. Me too. I really do. Me too. I mean, he's one and he brings so much to it because he understands team defense, but he also is a tough individual defender and makes the guy work hard. So if you got a guy working hard on his own defender and making it more difficult for him, and he also is in the right place at the right time from the team concept, that is such a bonus as a coach to have players who can do that, who can do both individual and team defense at a high level. Now, if you had, like I told you before, if you have only one that you can have, I'm taking the team defender, and I would love to have both, but I would rather have the team defender than the guy who's only good individually. I'm with you on that. Hey, Rick, uh, do you want to drop some truth bombs on us? You ready? Uh, well, yeah. Did we already cover that? No, no, no. I, I just, I, as you said, we talk about not being able to handle the truth. Most people can't handle the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that, most on, on. you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth and most general managers can't handle the truth of the fact that they screwed up and they made choices we've talked about it before and so we'll put it into its proper context in the uh, you know nbt square nothing but the truth uh they don't they just don't want to accept the truth that they screwed up and we, we, we've talked about this many times, and we'll probably continue to talk about it because we're going to see it happen all the time. Make the right decision. Thank God we talked about one of the players. They made a good decision, and they got rid of him. And I'm talking about when you get your like first-round picks like you talked about before. Mm-hmm. When you're making a first-round pick, and that player is – I mean, you've given him every opportunity, and it's not working. Bite the bullet pay the contract, do something, but get, bring somebody else in who may be able to do a better job for you. And you'll pro- more than not probably, I would say almost without question, it'll cost you a lot less money in the long run. So what's yours? 
Oh, I don't. I don't. That's your segment. I don't have any. Oh, truth you're no, oh, you don't want to do truth bomb. I don't, okay. I just well, don't have can, anything. All right. <laughs> I well, anything I, there's it. always a bunch of stuff that's there, but then then we can get into into uh, what drives me crazy. So let's let's have it. Let's do that. Let's let's yeah, let's. That's, uh, that's, that I do have for you. Here you yeah, go. I know. Yeah, what drives you crazy this week, Rick? It is no, Thanksgiving. I, I want to let you go because I just went now. So go All ahead. right. Well, so what drives me crazy is the general manager for the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, and has nothing to do with his comments on Hong Kong. Daryl Morey, uh, in a recent interview, came out, and he's, he said this time and time and again, and I don't know why he keeps holding on to this. He came out the other day and said that he thinks this is going back to the 2018 Western Conference Finals. He thinks that if they, if they replayed that over and over again, that series, seven times out of ten, the Rockets beat the Warriors. And I say, Daryl Morey, you are bat S-bomb crazy. Your utter, I mean, your homework card is shining bright right now because that is such a moronic statement to make. It's absolutely idiotic. A, if you were going to do it, you would have done it that year. Or worse, you would have done it last year when the Warriors didn't have Kevin Durant and you had basically the same team again. But going back to 2018, after game three, the Warriors beat them by 41 points, which I believe was a playoff record. 41 points. And the one thing that changed after that game was Andre Iguodala being out because of that, that fracture in his leg or whatever, whatever that injury was. And that changed the series because, true, the Warriors had four All-Stars and Andre Iguodala was the fifth. But they needed that fifth. The Warriors play a team brand of basketball. They are not like a LeBron James type team where you have two or three figureheads handling everything. The Warriors fundamentally follow the team principle. When Andre Iguodala went down, that series changed. And the Warriors still beat that Rockets team, even though Chris Paul was out for game six and seven. So Daryl Morey, every time he comes out and says these kinds of things, and tries to disparage the Warriors, and tries to take credit away from that great series that the Warriors won, that drives me crazy, Rick. Yeah, well, I mean, he is getting paid by the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he is. I mean, anybody that's getting paid by somebody, you've got. Well, I, I don't know. You don't have to. I mean, in the broadcasting thing, I would. I was never going to be a show when I broadcast. I, I, I just couldn't do that. I mean, I'm not going to try to tell somebody something that anybody who has reasonable intelligence and understands the game realized that I'm basically blowing smoke. Uh, you know, <laughs> up somebody's orifice. I mean, I, I just, I'm seriously, it, it, it's, and, and that's the, that's the type of thing I would, I would agree with you that one of the things that is, is sad that it does, it, and that falls into my category the same way it drives me crazy is the fact that these people, um, don't want to come out and, and tell the truth about what's going on and stop being a shill. Just be honest. Okay. Let's just be honest, be honest with people and let, and I think people will respect you more if you're being honest. Like my yeah. wife told me, honey, you just got to be, get the brutality out of your honesty. Just, <laughs> just be honest. Tell the truth. You don't have to be brutal about it. <laughs> say, what a moron. I can't believe that he did that. No. I mean, just say what it is. Let the people make up their own mind about it. And that's fine. But just talk about it and tell the truth. Yes. Maintain the brutality right? so, for the podcast. So in this case, like, you know, you can handle the truth <laughs> and driving you crazy. These, they, in this category, what we're talking about here, they, they, they go into both. Yeah. It really falls into both categories because you, you, need, to be, you need to be truthful and it, and it drives you crazy and me crazy when you're not truthful. Absolutely. Right? 
and, yes. and the thing about it is, is that it's like they themselves can't handle the truth about it. And I think they'd get way more respect from all of the fans of their team if they were to be truthful about it. And people you can't would be handle more, the truth. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Yeah, they would be more they would be more receptive to it. And even though you might not be happy about it, but say, hey, you know what? Hey, they realize they made a mistake. They're going to make a change. They're going to do something that's going to try to help make the team a little bit better. Don't try to hide behind it. As I said, it came it comes down to the same thing we talked about before. They do what's called butt protecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they make their choices when it comes to choosing the personnel based upon the fact that these guys were projected to be a, a lottery pick. And so they take the guy in the lottery spot when he really isn't deserving of being the lottery spot. And there's a guy who's maybe it should be 18 or 15 or 20. And you take that guy, you know, well, if you take him, then you're putting your butt on the line. And so why not? Hey, the guy's a bust. Wasn't our for you. Hey, everybody thought he was going to be good. He wasn't. So, you know, the onus is off of you. But take the guy who's supposed to be 18 to 20 where he's slotted. And you take him at seven or eight or six or five. <laughs> now you got some answering to do, and they don't <laughs> want to do that. No, I, I agree, Rick. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I'm sure those, depending upon when you're listening, as we said at the start of the show, yeah. uh, God bless all of you and and your families and your friends. Um, it's a wonderful time of the year, and we have another very exciting, what is my favorite holiday coming up in a few weeks, obviously, which is, is Christmas. We'll mm. certainly talk a little bit more about that, but we'll keep an eye on the craziness of the NBA. As you can see, almost every week before we record the show, some bizarre things <laughs> always seem to happen. Always. So there's always going to be plenty to talk about, and we'll keep an eye on the Warriors for those of you who are serious Warrior fans. <laughs> and we know that we know that'll happen because Cyrus will make sure that it always happens. So you can count on Cyrus to to look out for you. I get to the point where I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll analyze it and look at it, but I'm going to try to look at maybe some little more exciting things for the people yeah, who are yeah, basketball fans to focus on some of the more it's positive tough. things. It's tough. Rick. I'm with you. It's tough. It's, it's not difficult. Easy. It's not no, easy it is. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, and, you know, even the other game, I mean, you, hey, give them credit. They didn't quit. Steve saying all the right things. They were down 20. They fought back, got it to three with the Jazz. But that's only because the Jazz lost their focus and thought the game was over. And you, you just can't do that. And so I'm sure that, you know, Quinn Snyder was saying, guys, you know what? This is a perfect example of not losing focus. I mean, we had this team. We should have buried this team. We let, we let them back in the game. And fortunately, we still got the win. But you don't want to let that happen. That's part of what you know being a professional is all about. So yeah. we'll see how it works. But anyway, uh, happy belated thanks Thanksgiving if you're hearing it late. Uh, happy Thanksgiving coming up if you're hearing safe it travels. late. And, and safe, safe travels, travels yeah. for everybody because it's uh, it's the you know biggest travel weekend I think of the year without yes. question. So God bless all of you. Take care. Stay well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.